This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Hey, I am excited for the word this uh, this morning, and I'm excited because of this. Uh, we have taken a break for way too long from our uh, our expository sermon series in the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, we were in a long series, and today is going to be part 16. So, if you missed Matthew at all, uh, or the first part of Matthew, we're only through five chapters of Matthew. So don't think we're into 16 chapters. We're five chapters in, and we've done six, 15 messages on Matthew already. And I've missed it. I've really missed it. And as I was praying a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit was like, I think it's time to go back into Matthew. So uh, we're going to kickstart our series on Matthew back up again. And today, we're going to Matthew 5. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, had you noticed that the world seems a lot more angrier today? Then it, everyone said yes. Like I, I, some of them said, Amy said yes, and some of y'all were like grunting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like America especially has an anger problem, right? I don't know if you feel that or not. Uh, you know, it could be uh, the anger that comes out of, I'm not saying that y'all are angry. Y'all are awesome people. Uh, you know, it could be when we're on, on hold on, customers, uh, on a customer service line and we have to wait and wait and wait and wait and uh, somebody comes online and they don't even understand what you're saying and they're from two continents over and you're trying to get across the message and they just don't seem to understand. Have you powered it off? Yes, I powered it. You have you powered it back on? Yes. Have you uninstalled? Yes. And it just gets to you. You're like, uh, I don't know what to do. Can I speak to your manager? Or it could be, how many of you are just annoyed by a honk of a car? Anybody here? Okay. No, no. Just, just one person. Everybody else is like, bring it on. No. Or if it's, you know, standing in a fast food line waiting for your burger, right? That 20-minute wait at Whataburger, and you're like, ah, I'm so mad. Like I talked about that a few weeks ago. Or you're probably sitting in traffic and you get really upset or you're angry. Uh, or it's a canceled flight, um, you know, and, and some of us, we, we see a true colors come out when we have to deal with a canceled flight, right? That's, it's just annoying. Uh, but, but like there's an interesting stat. Uh, you know, air travel before 2020, before COVID just came and ruined everything, we blame everything on COVID today. So uh, before COVID came through, uh, before the year 2020, and the average investigated incidence of unruly behavior on airplanes was around 143 incidents, okay, uh, per year uh, on an average. Uh, post 2020, in the year 2021 alone, right? These are the, there were 5,973 cases of unruly passengers. Majority of them mask people that either wanted to wear a mask or didn't want to wear a mask or one of those things. But man, it's it's getting crazy. It's getting out of hand, right? But what if I if I have to tell you this morning that Jesus said if you get angry, you're probably going to hell. This place went awfully quiet. This is where we pick up from a, for a passage this morning in Matthew chapter 5. Now that I've given you that shock, let's go read the word. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, let's go to verse 21 to 26. And this is what the Bible says. You have heard that it was said of those of old, 
You shall not murder. He's, ref he's referencing the old, uh, the, the old testament. He's referring to the, the commandments. And he says, thou shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And some of y'all just had a sigh of relief. And you're like, thank God I'm not a murderer. Okay, that's, Jesus is not talking to me. But in verse 22, he says this. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, or in some of your translations, it says, raka, will be liable to the hell of fire. That's the only place in the Bible you'll see a cuss word, raka. In verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, now listen very carefully, Christian. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Remember that your brother has, uh, sorry, uh, you remember something, uh, your brother has something against you, verse 24. Leave your gift. Someone say, leave your gift. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. Someone say, go. First be reconciled to your brother. Go, first be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Verse 26, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. For those of you all taking notes, uh, we have our notes up on the Bible app. So uh, all you got to do is just go to the Bible app, search for Commission Church. The notes should be there. Or scan the QR code. We have a QR code for everything. Scan the QR code and it will take you right to the notes and you can take your notes on the version Bible app. May I say that resentment is weaving itself through the very fabric of our society. Resentment often stems from anger, anger from many other places. But it was Nathan DeWalt uh, at the University of Kentucky who did a research study about music a while ago. And he was very interested in the impact of music and how music impacts the soul and the spirit and the person. And uh, he, he did this extensive study from the 1980s to the year 2000. And he said the music that he studied in all of those years, in the span of those years from the 1980s, almost 20 years, he studied the music. And he noticed a very stark difference to the genre of music, not just the genre, but the motifs, the themes that surrounded the musical expressions that came from the 80s and how it transformed itself to the 90s and then eventually to the 2000s. He couldn't help but notice that in the 1980s, the songs revolved greatly around we and us. It was about people. It was about community. It was about the struggles. It was, hey, we can get through this together. It was us. I'm not a musical genius, so I have nothing to offer in this regards. I have no songs that I can pull out of my pocket and say, here's an example. But, but if you think about it, I, I know a few songs, and I could tell you that a lot had to do with community. It had a lot to do with we and us. And in the year 2000s, there was this shift that happened, and he said that it went from we and us to I and me. 
And if you listen to a lot of the songs today, it's centered around narcissism. There's this rise of narcissism that has happened. And recent songs are about what we want and how we've been hurt or how we've been disappointed or they're encouraging the fact that you're going through a rut and it's okay and, and you need to come out of it and your feelings are great and your feelings are awesome. If you doubt what I'm saying, you actually go to Google. And I did this personally. I actually did this. And I don't know any of these songs, so I actually went to these lyrics and actually looked at it. Go Google Billboard's top 100 songs. And out of those 100 songs, I didn't go through every 100, but I went through the top 10 songs. And part of me wanted to write down the names of the songs, but I just didn't want to, okay? Now, I just want you to use your imagination, or if you want to, just go search for these songs. And you would, and I'm not even lying, every one of those songs talked about self. It talked about I. There was the word I in every one of those songs. There was my feelings in every one of those songs. Songs are about being upset and how people have upset you. And here are artists making their careers and making bank on the fact that you and I are mad. And they will get millions and millions of hits because you're going through that and you need somebody to validate you. You need somebody to say, that's okay, that's how you're feeling, that's great. So we move from a united, you know, a, a culture of unity, a culture of a, a sense of this is us, this is community, this is culture, this is about us to a very self-centered culture and a lot of it is driven through the anger that we are going through. In verse 21 of the gospel according to Matthew, Jesus is again teaching here, and it's the Sermon on the Mount we're continuing. We transition from the Beatitudes to the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching, and he says, you have heard that it was of the old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. See, this is the common interpretation. The common interpretation is to take this word at face value. Like I said earlier, it's to say, oh, I didn't murder, so this doesn't apply to me. I've never murdered an individual. I've never hurt an individual. I've never acted out in physical violence. So this probably does not apply to me. Now, this is common error. It's in the human nature to do the minimum. It's, the, it's in the human nature to think the minimum. How much do I have to study to pass this test? The feelings that we have. How much do I have to be holy? How much do I, what boxes do I have to check off to make sure that I, 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 I meet the minimum standard requirements meant to do what I'm supposed to do? And if you look at it from that mentality, you look at it and say, well, I didn't do that, so I'm in the safe zone. But Jesus actually moves upstream. And he says, let's just not talk about murder in itself, but the person who gets to the point of murder or gets to the point of actually even thinking about harming somebody, starts somewhere. And Jesus is addressing that root. So he goes back into the root and he says that the root of murder is anger. I want us to get this. Subtitle my message today, Murder and Anger. In verse 22, the Bible says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Allow me to break this down to you because Jesus uses murder in one verse. That's all he talks about. And he says, I, it's an understood fact that if you are spiritually filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit guides you and leads you, you're not going to have proclivities of murder day after day. 
but he says there are people that have harmful thoughts that come to their mind and it doesn't start and come out of nowhere. It starts with a root issue and the root issue can be narrowed down into anger. It comes from resentment. It comes from anger. See, here's what I want to clarify. Jesus is not saying don't get angry. That's not what he's saying. See, anger is the appropriate response to injustice and exploitation. Jesus got angry. There was righteous anger that Jesus portrayed. The the feelings of anger are normal. Someone say anger is normal. So I I want to remind somebody that. We want a God of wrath when we consider the abuse of others and see the wrong in the world. We want a God of wrath when we see that people take advantage of this world, take advantage of people, put people down, kill people, murder people. So I want you to understand that anger in its feeling is not wrong. There is a sense of righteous anger. But I don't want to spend my time today talking about righteous anger. That's not what I want to talk about. I don't want to validate somebody for feeling angry today. See, the thing is, God's anger is holy and righteous because it's rooted in love. Jesus' anger is always a result of love. We have to understand that if we go into the scriptures, we delve into the scriptures, we always are, we brought back into this idea of love that surrounds God's judgment. But in us, if you understand, anger is often the root of a bruised ego. Anger is always a, I got hurt, somebody hurt me. Or if we hurt somebody or somebody else is angry, it's because we had something to do with it. Then Jesus goes deeper. He just doesn't say about, he just doesn't talk about anger. He doesn't just say angry. He goes a little bit deeper and he says, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus then moves from anger to insult. Someone say insult. Because no one just gets angry and loses their cool and just, it just dissipates. Angry, anger always produces fruit. And the fruit of anger most of the time is insults or the need to insult, right? And he talks about this. So he says, he uses the word fool, the word, uh, he uses the word in Greek, which is, which, which theologians will tell you is a very harsh word. And Jesus is trying to say that what raka, it's this anger that leads to name calling. Jesus used the word fool very often. If you know the scriptures, if you study the New Testament, Jesus uses the word fool very often. It's a phrase that has to do with consequences for bad actions. So if anybody makes conscious decisions to make bad choices day after day, Jesus will look at you and say, you fool. That's what Jesus would say. It was always associated with actions that were a cause of bad, actions that was a cause of bad decisions that were made or consequences for bad actions. So in essence, a fool is a person who, se- who separated action from consequence and say, whatever, cons- whatever decision and action that I'm doing right now has no consequence or has a consequence. So Jesus is saying, you are a fool if you think that it has no consequence and you're not a fool if you feel like your actions have consequences. Because the same Pharisees that he calls fools Jesus actually turns, he prays to God that he will, they will, God will forgive them while Jesus is being crucified. I'm just kind of laying the foundation over here. And the word raka there, or the word fool that Jesus is using, is literally a word. I don't want you to justify this as a Jesus cuss so we can cuss. The word fool that Jesus uses, the word raka, is literally the, the meaning of the word is empty head. Right? It, it's to do with a heart, a bad person, devoid of a good heart, is, is literally the meaning of that. 
It's a simple word that, that we can, uh, if, if you'd ask me a simple word to summarize this idea of fool that Jesus is trying to convey, is a simple word called contempt. Someone say contempt. What does contempt lead to? When you're contempt about somebody or something, something that's happening around you, it will lead to condemnation. I need you to follow and track with me. It will lead us to cancel somebody. It will lead us to canceling something. What's going on with the world today is we're, we're having so much of contempt and so much of anger that we just want to go around canceling everybody, everything. If somebody crosses us, crosses us, if somebody does something bad to us, if somebody doesn't agree with our worldview, if somebody doesn't agree with our lifestyle, if somebody doesn't agree with our theological stand, stand we're like, okay, I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to push you aside. What you think does not matter. What happens when you don't like somebody? What happens when somebody crosses you? You just want them to go away. When you're really mad and upset with somebody, when you're angry with somebody, you don't want to sit there and have a conversation with them. The words we use are, man, I just want you to go away. Just leave. Get out of my sight. Get out of my face. I want you out of my life. I want you out of my view. I don't want you to exist, right? You are dead to me. Anybody here heard these phrases before? And sometimes we use it so casually, but we come to the point of contempt where we cancel people and cancel things in order for us to come to a point like that. It's killing someone without going through the inconvenience of acting on that feeling. And when Jesus is saying you murder, for us, a lot of people, God is looking at you and saying, he's calling us fools and saying, you're going about canceling people. You're going about dismissing people. You're killing people in your mind, in your heart, without actually having to commit the violent act of ending somebody's life. We can justify our actions by saying, well, we didn't do anything about it. He's just dead to me. He can go about doing whatever he wants to do, or she can go about doing whatever she wants to do, but that has nothing to do with me. But that's what I said, it's killing someone when you're angry at somebody and when you execute that anger in the form of co condemnation or contempt, you cancel them, it's killing someone without going through that inconvenience or having that taboo of acting on that feeling. So, so many of us will justify our anger by saying, I will deal with it, it's not their battle to deal with. So you can see how bruised egos and anger and insult and contempt can lead you through a life of defeat, a life of lifelessness. But here's what I want to talk about today. So we're called not just to ignore that, we're called to deal with it. Like, I don't know about you, but I have to deal with my anger issues day after day. I've gotten so much more better than where I used to be in my life. Before I got married, I looked at the Lord and said, Lord, I need healing for my anger. For so many of us, we're living the, the denial that so many of us live in anger. Or we have issues with anger. Like think about our country itself. Our country is so divided. We're so polarized. Because our culture is enabling us to harbor anger and bitterness more than ever before. We have things that validate our anger. We have things that validate our, 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 our feelings that, that say it's okay to be angry. It's okay to, be, to, 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 to hold on to things. And, and harbor literally means pulling a boat into somebody's dock and harboring, putting your anchor down and resting. And so many of us have contempt. So many of us have canceled people. And you're living with that. You've parked the boat and you're just chilling. The anchor's down and they're taking valuable real estate in your life and you're angry at people, you're angry at your ex, you're angry at your boss, you're angry at your kids, you're angry at your parents, you're angry at people that don't even know that, they, that you're angry at them. But all the while you have docked, you have, you have, you have just 
put your boat in park, you've you've sat, you're not going anywhere, you're in the harbor and you rest with it. And verse number 23, the Bible says this, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Can I clarify something? This is what it says. So if you are offering your gift to the altar and there you remember. Now, Jesus is assuming that as a Christian and as a believer, when we come into the presence of God, we ought to remember the wrong that we do to people. I'm going to say that again for somebody. Jesus is assuming that in the presence of God, where the Holy Spirit can convict us, where the Holy Spirit can do a work and speak into our lives, there is natural conviction from the Holy Spirit saying, you did somebody wrong. It is dangerous, so very dangerous, if you and I elevate ourselves to a place where there is no more conviction between right and wrong. If you can wrong your brother, or you have been wronged, and you're living with the guilt of wronging somebody, and when I say brother, don't just sit there and say, I don't have a brother, this doesn't apply to me. Again, face value. I'm talking about your sister, I'm talking about your kids, I'm talking about your wife, I'm talking about your husband, I'm talking about your grandpa, I'm talking about your boss, I'm talking about every person imaginable. If it doesn't prick your conscience when you come into the presence of God saying, I wronged somebody, am I talking to somebody? Like there is an innate issue that is so deep that you need to ask God to heal you and you need to understand the forgiveness of God first before you even bring anything to the altar of God. Because the altar was places that people just brought sacrificially. You're trying to sacrifice something day after day. You are trying to bring to the altar things. And we're just talking about gifts. I'm not even going into gifts. I'm talking about every single day just worshiping the Lord. We're trying to sacrifice things that God is not happy with. Am I talking to somebody like... Like, I don't even need to go into Abel and Cain. Like, God was like, I'm not happy with this sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice that I enjoy. It's not a sacrifice that I'm pleased with. Where there is offense, trust me, you will not spiritually progress in any fashion of the word. And if you and I are comfortable with living in offense, offending people and being offended on a regular basis, God is looking at somebody and saying, check your heart before you wreck your heart. Because it's a time for awakening, it's time for us to open. So he's just, it's a given. He's saying, man, if your brother has something against you, you remember that your brother has something. And if you don't have that capacity for the Holy Spirit to remind you, hey, confess. Hey, am I talking to somebody? I, I, you know, this is important for us to understand. This is Sunday mornings before you come into the presence of God. This is at night before you pray and you, you, you do your family prayers and your, your wife and your children bring your kids together and y'all pray. It's, it's reconcile first. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Talk about it. Have conversations. Resolve what is going on before you can even get into the presence of God and lead your kids into worship. Because your kids literally saw y'all tearing, tearing each other's hairs apart like, like a minute ago. And now you're like, God is so good, God, offbeat. He says, leave your gift before there, before the altar and go. First be reconciled with the brother and then come. And let me talk about your giftings. So many of us are just focused on serving God. 
or just using our gifts for God. It's like, man, that means nothing to me. Your giftings mean nothing to me. Do you think that God will be pleased with me coming up here on a Sunday morning and preaching a message after fighting with my wife, after calling her names, after dismissing her, after putting her down, after being, uh, you know, after being really rude to her or, or whoever I'm talking to, would God be pleased if I did not go up to my wife and said, babe, I am sorry, I should not have said what I said. Like, do you think that that sacrifice that I'm about to do, I might, I might give you a great speech, I might give you a great delivery of a message, but my heart, where it came from, was not pure. And trust me when I tell you this, that message may sound good, but it will never do anything good. It will not have the capacity to pierce through people's hearts. Worship leaders that are listening to me, when y'all worship over here, remember that y'all are coming into the presence of God and leading people into worship. And when you do, remember, reconcile, make sure that your heart doesn't harbor anger in your heart. And Jesus is serious about anger. He says, there's one thing that will eat away at your soul. See, how we resolve conflict depends on who and how we worship. How we resolve conflict depends upon who and how we worship. You would think God would put worship above, above people, but God says, man, you got to first go squash before you kneel. Go talk it out. He says, on the way to the altar, you would think, okay, come worship. And while you're worshiping, God will do a work in your heart and you will feel the guilt. And then God's like, okay, go and deal with it. He's like, nope. As a Christian, as a believer, I want you to deal with offense before you can come and give, you my, give my heart. Because here's the thing. Worship involves the whole heart. Worship, and, and if you have given, if you have real estate, because the word for unforgiveness or forgiveness, or let, let me talk about forgiveness. The word for forgiveness in the Bible is this word called apifemi. Okay? The word apifemi literally means to release, to let go, to let a prisoner free. When you have angry feelings and bitterness and you harbor things against people out of bitterness and, 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 and you're, you've condemned people to die in your hearts, so you, you, you don't know. You're like, oh, I've let it go. No, 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 you haven't. If you haven't forgiven them, they're taking precious real estate in your heart. So you're not able to connect with the Lord. You're not able to worship like you're supposed to. You're not able to understand the word like you're supposed to. Like you can sit through a message and you're like, I have no idea what he preached about today. You can go back home today and it would have done nothing to you because your heart is filled with anger and resentment and your heart is filled with, you've given precious real estate to somebody or something that you should have apifemied, let go, released. You cannot receive from God unless you release that which you have to release. Go raise your hands and surrender in that relationship before you raise your hands and surrender in the presence of God. Some of us literally need to stand in front of the people that we need to apologize to and raise your hands in front of them and say, I surrender. I'm sorry, I give it up. I've been running for too long. I've been walking away from this for too long. I've been, I've been avoiding this, this conversation for way too long, but I'm sorry, but I can't let, I need to apifemi you. I need to release you. I need to, this, this is for me. This is not for you. This, this is for me. I got to forgive you. I, so many of us have forgotten, but not forgiven. And today God is encouraging somebody and saying, let that anger dwindle. Let it, let it go and allow the Holy Spirit to work himself inside of you. See, God values other people that he says, first go deal with that issue. 
Jesus said, when you are on the way to the altar, you remember that you hurt someone. He flips it on us. He doesn't say, think about all the times that you've been hurt. That's not what he says. All of us can do that. We remember every time we've been hurt. Yes, no, maybe, yeah. When we've been done wrong, yo, we remember every one of those things. Like you asked my, my, my four-year-old. She holds on to stuff. Like four months earlier, if somebody threw a toy at her in kids' ministry, she will, she will remember it four months. No, I don't want to play with him. He threw a toy at me. When? Yesterday? No, four months ago. Like long time ago. It's like, oh, I remember that. That was like a while ago, Carissa. No, I, I still remember that. Do you remember what you did yesterday? No. He says he puts it on you. If you want to be right with me, stop and ask yourself if there's someone that you've hurt. Like, did I hurt someone because of my insecurity? Like, ask yourself, is it me? Like, I want to turn this today. Because here's the thing. If you're part of the conflict, you have a part in the conflict. No one heard that. Let me repeat that one more time. If you're in the conflict, it means you're a part of the conflict. Don't throw you, I don't know how I got here. I, I, I always try. I always get up in trouble. Oh, why do I always have to be in? There's something innately wrong that we have to do some self-discovery about. If you often find yourselves in conflict with people around you, stop saying that you're around people that often cause you conflict. Like, Ashish, there has to be something wrong that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in your heart about. This place is awfully quiet. I don't know what's going on, but I'm preaching. Because when you're in conflict, you're blinded. You're super blinded. It's not like, oh, this is my issue. You're always trying to point fingers at everything but yourself. And I want to encourage somebody, you might be at 2% fault. There might be 100% conflict and 98 percentage might be somebody else's fault. And you probably think about it and, and you're like, okay, what's my fault in this? Maybe I reacted the wrong way. Maybe I said this one word, but he said 98 words. or she said 98 words. Hence, it's not my problem. But here's what I want to encourage somebody with today, right? Like if you take 100% responsibility for your 2%, But our inability to take 100% responsibility for our 2% always ends up being us being prisoners of our own faith. Because we have not released what we have to release. Because in our eyes, 98% is much bigger than 2%. I'm encouraging somebody, you have to ask for 100% forgiveness for your 2%. Because nobody else can control you, you can control you. Like some of us have anger management figured out. Like you, you have it down to a T. You know what to do. You know when to do. Like, like, like I said earlier, I, have, I had to deal with my own anger issues. And I was finding ways to kind of deal with my anger. And someone told me once, man, just walk around with a smile on your face. It's like maybe that's because I have this thinking. I call it the thinking face. And it's this thing where I just, and one of my daughters has it, well, has it as well. And Sonia was telling me the other day, man, she has your face, that that thinking face that you talk about. And when I'm thinking, like when I'm deep in thought, this is how I look. I just look like that. <laughs> and she's like, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Obviously, I'm not going to go in the front of the mirror and do that, right? I'm just going to smile. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm smiling right now. Like, I love smiling. I, I'm, I, I, 
Okay, whatever. But here's the thing, right? Like, like someone said, just, just smile wherever you go. So I started smiling. I was like this, you know, I was, I was smiling in the, in, the, in the, you know, when I went to the store, I was smiling outside. People were being nicer to me all of a sudden. Like, I'm like, oh, this works. Like, I'm, I'm like walking around. I'm like, Because I want to smile. I just want to make sure that I could change the, the way I look. Maybe I'll be a happier person. But people started treating me different. But then I figured out they, were, they, they thought that I was special. And they were like, okay, trying to give me special privilege. Like, like I, and someone told me, man, you, you really look like, you don't, you don't look like you have it all together. Like, you, you look different, kind of happy. Like, you might want to tone that down. So I suddenly became privileged. Once I drew a smiley face on a post-it note and I stuck it to my dash. I was like, maybe that could get rid of my road rage. Anybody else road rage people? Nobody, just, just Stanley and me, nobody else. Everybody else, Shan, thank you, Shan. It's all of us Bible college people. Everybody else lying, oh, look at that. Look at that. Somebody told me that. Draw a smiley face and put, put it like a post-it note and stick it on your dash. That's going to help you with your road rage. So I'm like diving down the street and someone cuts me off and I'm like, you piece of cake. Oh no, ha, oh, smiley face. I just put on, I've done that too, Ashish. Don't worry about it. Like, like that didn't do anything for me either. It's cross on the car. That doesn't do it for sure. My wife once told me, just, you're stressed, just go take a bath. Go take a bath. Like women can take a bath and they can feel better. Like you've had a bad week. You know, I want to decompress. You know, I just, I just, you're calling your friends while you're in your bath. I'm so glad you're in my life. The bath bomb goes off and you're like, I feel free. I tried it. Shan, I tried it. I switched the water on, filled the tub. I looked at the water and I was like, can't do it. I, I, I just cannot do it. Men don't take baths. Any men, any men take a bath? I need to pray for you. Come to the altar after service. We take showers, man. We wash it away. We just like spray it down, hose it down. That's what we believe in. Like some, it's, it's on us. We have to figure this out. Stop blaming on other people. Like, figure out what works for you. Like Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. And God is saying, part of worshiping me is valuing other people. And what does it mean, valuing other people? Thinking about what Genesis says. God says, man, I, I made you in my own image. Like Genesis says, we're made in the image of God. You know, there are only two other places that the Bible talks about us being made in the image of God. Because you're made in the image of God, don't murder. That's the, other, that, that's the usage that's used in the, other, other, in the other context. It talks about physical harm. And the third place it's used is you are in the image of God, so don't speak evil things to others. It's verbal harm to others. Physical harm and verbal harm. I don't physically or verbally hurt you because you're made in the image of God. When you and I start understanding that every person is made in the image of God Almighty, we start valuing them so much more than anything else. Come on, am I talking to somebody? 
Verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. Jesus is saying, man, if you're on the way to court, something's happening, right? Like, like naturally speaking, let's break this down. If you're on the way to court, no one goes to court thinking, I'm going to lose this. You're going to court thinking you're going to win. And Jesus is saying, when you're on the way, way to court, actually start thinking about how you can squash it. Start thinking about peace. Like the person who seeks to win in a conflict always loses. I want you to remember that. You might win an argument, but there are a lot of things that you might lose. Like you might probably getting the upper hand. I'm probably getting the upper hand in this conversation, this argument. It may make me feel good for a bit, but I'm losing a friend. I'm losing trust. I'm losing confidence. I'm, I'm ruining my witness that I once had. Why? Just because we want to be right. And Jesus is like, you take the first step. You take, you be the initiator. You go talk it out. Like, should you always talk it out? That's what people ask me. But, but brother, what do you, do, do I always have to talk it about? Well, go to Proverbs. Proverbs 19 and 11 says this. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. He says, first, what you got to do is use good sense. Someone say good sense. Naturally, God has given you the ability to look over a fence and say, maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe she didn't mean it that way. You know what? That's way too less for me to break my head over. So what am I going to do? I am going to overlook an offense. Someone say overlook an offense, which means instant forgiveness. Am I talking to somebody? In, someone say instant forgiveness. That's amazing. When you can instantly forgive somebody, it releases a lot of pressure off your shoulders. And then there's the having the conversation. If you just can't overlook the offense, go talk to your brother. Have a conversation with them. Bring it up to somebody. I don't want to let this anger brew in my heart. See, your ability to resolve conflict is the way you succeed in marriage, in your interpersonal relationships. You know what pagans believe? Unbelievers? They, pagans and unbelievers don't know how to handle conflict. But believers, God gives you the ABC and says, you know how to handle conflict. Go talk. He says, on your way to court, go make it right. Because he's like, it only gets worse. And for some of us, you've been there. Where you let it go, or you've not talked about it. You didn't want to create conflict. You don't want to push the envelope further. So you're like, let me, just, let me just forget about it in my mind. But the harm was too big for you to just forget about it. And you're still dwelling on it because you didn't hash it out. Get on early because it costs too much to wait and do it late. Can I remind somebody saying sorry is important? We need to talk about this more in church. Saying sorry and owning up to your mistake is important. Let's normalize saying sorry. Don't minimize what you've done or what has been done to you. Don't always say, man, it's a long night, I was tired, and you know how I get when I'm tired. That's why I say what I say. No, don't, let's not normalize it. Instead, say, hey, man, I was mean to you, and I'm sorry. I don't care what time of the night it was. I don't care what the weight of the world was bearing down on my shoulder. I was wrong, and I, it's simple as that. Someone say it's simple. 
or the other way well I'm sorry that you feel that way ain't nobody want to hear that bro instead say I'm sorry for what I did this place is quiet man the Bible reminds us be quick to listen and slow to wrath man wrath is when you feel like you have the right to punish someone but I need to remind somebody two wrongs do not make it right like just because someone did wrong I don't want to do wrong it doesn't it's not the equation because there's always the rage there's the there's anger there's rage and then there's wrath anger is normal someone say anger is normal anger is normal feelings it's a normal emotion and then you have rage you have that plan to hurt someone and you communicate that haven't you seen those movies those those thug movies those gangster movies where if someone wants to intimidate someone they take their gun and they put it on the table or they just do this that's rage You being offended that someone cut you off, you're like, Ugh, that's anger. You speeding up to them, that's rage. And then there's wrath, where you don't let the gun be on the table anymore. You have to pick it up and act on it. Is if you did that to me, not only am I going to look you down and threaten you, I'm going to do something to show you that I am angry as well. Jesus says, be quick to listen, slow to wrath. Don't allow wrath, don't, don't reverse the order. Don't do, don't do wrath, rage, and anger. Let's go through the process and say, at anger, squash it. At anger, say, this is normal, but I have the ability as a believer and a Christian to put this underneath my feet and not allow this to continue. Don't allow yourself to sin in anger because wrath is sinning. Rage is sinning. But at anger, if you can cut it off and say, I will not and shall not, I decide that I will not allow this to affect my marriage, to affect my relationships. That's when the Christian is winning. Pastor, I just get angry when I'm not heard. You know, forgiveness is often seen as a weakness, right? But I want to remind somebody today. We are forgiven. Forgive the same way. Forgive the same way. See, forgiving others is this powerful act of releasing yourself from this burden of holding on to anger and this resentment. You know what's helped me, though? is remembering this every single time. And I want you to write this down. If there's nothing else you've got from this message, take this. What was done for you is greater than what was done to you. What Jesus did on the cross for you, what Jesus continues to do for you, that act of sacrifice, that act of forgiveness, that act of love on the cross of Calvary, what he has done for you is so much more bigger and will always be bigger than what will ever be done to you by people, by individuals. See, getting angry is inevitable. Staying angry is a choice. Anger is inevitable. Living in anger is a choice. And so many of us, real estate, we're giving real estate to the enemy. Happy family, release, let go. Let the prisoner free. Would you stand up to your feet with me?
Oof. As we pray, I'm going to ask the worship team to come help us in a time of worship today. And the Holy Spirit is reminding me today that some of us need to let go. Some of us need to release. I want to spend some time in prayer as the worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship and just hang out for just a few minutes as I pray, but after that, we're just going to do what we do every Sunday. We're just going to leave our altar open. We're going to leave. I'm going to pray and dismiss you. If people need to leave, you can leave, but I encourage people to just stay and worship and receive from the Lord. Some of us need to confess today. Some of us need healing today. Some of us need healing from the anger that we've received. You've probably been on the receiving end of anger. You've probably been the aggressor. But in whatever regard today, there is healing in the house of God. Somebody needs to make a conscious decision today to say, Lord, I'm letting go. I am done. I am tired of being an angry person day after day. Some of us are just in denial, plain out denial. You know that you have an issue and people tell you that all the time. Your husband's telling you that, your wife is telling you that, your kids are telling you that. If your kids are not coming running to you and saying, play with me, instead of they're running as soon as you get home, they're locking themselves up in the room, if they have nothing to say to you, if they're walking away from you, if they don't want to have a conversation with you, there is an anger issue that you need to ask God for healing for. Today, right now, in this place, you would do a disservice to yourself and you would check some boxes if you came in here, listened to this message, and said, Pastor, that was for me, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Because victory comes in accountability, and accountability to the Lord is coming to His presence. And today, some of y'all need to send a text message right now to somebody. Some of y'all need to excuse yourself from where you're standing, go outside to the lobby and call somebody before you come to the altar. I'm not even kidding right now. You can smile all you want at me, but I am being honest. Before you come to the altar, there's something that you need to do. There's somebody that you need to pick out from here and take outside and say, let's go talk. You need to do that. If somebody that you need to text and say, tonight I need to talk to you. I need to get something off my chest. I need to say something that you need to do today. You would, you would, heaven is rejoicing today. And God's like, man, today is a day that I will be proud of because somebody, there was action. There was somebody that did something in order for their their, their, their spiritual life to progress. So many of us can pray and we can pray and pray and pray and our prayers will just hit this glass ceiling and we're looking and wondering why there's no breakthrough. Why there's no deliverance. Maybe it's because you're, you're dealing with some anger that God's looking at and saying, man, you don't want that to destroy you. That verse that it said is this, it says, man, leave your gift to the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It says, come terms quickly with your accuser while you're going to, but, but pastor, what if, what if that person, I'm not in touch with that person anymore. Make every effort to. Come on, somebody, find that number, find that email. That person might not be in the same city. That person might be dead. 
if that if it's you've done everything in your power to make amends with that person man God sees your heart you ask God for forgiveness if you have offended somebody if you have you've been the aggressive you've done somebody something to somebody that has put them down man it's it's time to ask for forgiveness if something that something has done to you you need to release let go let go release the offender release that prisoner Oof. and he ends with this and says truly I say to you you will never get out until you have paid the last penny there's freedom in the house of the Lord today I want to pray for you guys Rajiv is here today Rajiv thank you for being here Rajiv is going to be coming back later on this year to do some um, some sessions with us some coaching with us and things like that we're so happy you're here Rajiv thanks for being here I just want to spend this time in prayer, guys, as we just approach the throne room of God. Man, there's brokenness in the house of God. And if some of us need to stand where we are and just in total surrender and brokenness, just give it to the hands of God, just do that right now. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.